If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Welcome to Taking Care of Lady Business, where we put the business back in lady business. Hosted by Jennifer Justice, founder and CEO of the Justice Department, a management strategy and law firm that works with female and woke male entrepreneurs, executives, talent, brands, and creatives to build and maximize their wealth, focusing in the areas of tech, consumer product, finance, media, entertainment, and fashion. Jennifer interviews entrepreneurial women who have done it all, who will be sharing their secrets on all things business, especially as a woman. These highly successful women will share strategies and insights, including what not to do and what it takes to win. And now, here's your host, Jennifer Justice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Taking Care of a Lady Business. I'm Jennifer Justice. Today, we have the illustrious multi-hyphenate, Rebecca Minkoff. I mean, what isn't she? It's easier, right? It's like designer, founder, CEO, you know, women, like, uh, you know, like, you know, best friend, you know, it's like mother of four, podcaster, author, just promoting and total inspiration for all women and, you know, on doing it your own way and doing it on your own terms. So thank you for coming, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for you to be here. Let's just start with, you know, obviously people all know about Rebecca Minkoff and that label and that brand, right? And you've had that for a long time. Always is interesting to me and to my audience is really that like moment where you're like, I'm going to start this business and what made you want to do it? And let's just start with Rebecca Minkoff and then we'll go, you know, further into the future with Female Founders Collective and everything else that you're doing. Sure. So I think that for me, uh, you know, my dream was to be a designer. That is what I grew up, you know, since the age of eight wanting. And after working for a designer, I, I will say I hated taking orders. I hated it. It drove me crazy. And I kept saying to myself, if I'm going to work this hard, it's going to be for me. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be but my what age were you home. then? I was a 21, um, <laughs> which is pretty young to feel that way. And if yeah. I ever met a 21 year old, I'd be like, you're so entitled to get over yourself, work your butt off for someone else and take their orders. Yeah. Uh, but that was what was honestly going through my head at the time. And so I just felt like, okay, let's see what happens if I, you know, continue to work on the side and develop this clothing line, what's the worst that could happen? And I was, you know, I don't want to say it was fate or kismet because 9-11 is none of those, but to mm-hmm. have, you know, a huge actress sort of wear my product on national television after 9-11 uh, promoting I Love New York was something I could have never planned or imagined. And then from there, it was just like, well, now I'm going to make t-shirts for the next nine months and let's just see what happens with this and go with that momentum was really right. what, I, what I thought I should do. And then you did that for a very long period of time. And then you were like, well, I'm not busy enough. So I'm going to start more things. Right. And so you and I met, you know, in the hot, in the beginning really of 
you know, in New York, finding a lot more engaging kinds of ways for women that are getting together in business and not just because your moms or not just because, you know, as friends, whatever in business. And we were having lunch one day and you were like, what is going on? Why are we not moving the needle? And we had this really great in-depth conversation. I realized that we really had very, um, you know, our visions were very close and like we wanted women to be equal in business. And there was no reason why we couldn't be, you know, we could see all of these um, you know, things not happening, things not moving forward, not getting venture capital, not, you know, you know, massive gender wealth gap, ma- massive gender pay gap, et cetera. And so you then started, maybe you even had the idea before that, a female founders collective. And what was your vision for that? My vision for that was after coming off a women's history month in 2018, where I think you and I were probably on the circuit, right? Yeah. Talking about gender equality pay gap, all the things. Then we would get off stage. We'd all be in our huddles complaining. And for me, I was like, does any of, did any of this make a difference? Did someone go get a raise because of what we said on stage? Mm -hmm. Did, did some woman find out and seek out a female entrepreneur and buy her products because of what we said? And I didn't have a way to measure it, um, or see if it made impact, but I couldn't see the change happening enough because every, time I saw women like yourself, we were still talking about the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so to me, what I knew was as a founder, I knew I needed a community. I didn't have that as a designer. Um, Designers are, you know, in the past had, you know, kept their problems to themselves and not wanted to share because it's so competitive. And I knew that if I had a community, could we share and almost be the ways of you know, watch out for this person, or this is not a good VC, or don't get advice from this PR person. And I just thought, you know, this should exist. It wasn't a strategy. It was just like, the only way I know how to launch something is through a great photo campaign and uh, a static website with a send us your email and launched it during fashion week with the help and support of an incredible woman named Leslie Russo over, she was at IMG and, and right away there was this groundswell of founders, like 3000 people within the first week applied. And I, and then it, you know, it kept growing and I was then shortly joined uh, by Allison Wyatt, my co-founder. And we, we said, okay, there has to be an education component to this. You know, you, you got to go to business school and, and then, or law school. Right. But mm-hmm. some of these founders, including myself, didn't go to business school, didn't have that knowledge. And you're not going to go back to school once you realize you've started a business and it's taking off. So how could we sort of plug in and bridge the gap between a founder not having that knowledge and getting it? So connecting with these women, getting the experts to talk about this stuff and empowering women with education was kind of the next phase of growth for us. And now we've expanded even more. We have an advisor and mentorship network called the North. We have, you know, a retreat that we're in the middle of planning and um, we've had a successful cohort where 50 women during COVID all, you know, got on zoom. We taught them how to fundraise. They got, they've gone on to raise over $30 million combined through their businesses. So the goal is now I can measure it. Right. And hopefully it's making an impact. Well, I mean, it definitely is making an impact because what you can tell is the more swell, like the more women, you know, and this was like, you know, right after me too as well, but it's like the conversation is changing instead of like, oh, you know, it's cool. Like I've never like, that's never happened to me as a woman. Instead, it's like, oh no, this happens to me all day long. And, you know, the people who hear my voice and see me and understand me are actually other women in the room in business. 
maybe that won't be true one day, but right now it is, you know, and look, the positive to it. And I don't like, you know, I don't like to say the negative about like how the patriarchy isn't taking care of us, but the good news is matriarchy is and what you're building with the justice department is like all of these things, right? It's like helping women succeed in business as they are, instead of, you know, turning into somebody else in order to do that, which is inauthentic to ourselves and also solving all the problems, right. For women in general that we're going through, um, in business and in life and on our day-to-day basis. And so can you, for anybody who lives under a rock and has not like actually heard of Female Founders Collective, can you say like what it is and how people can get involved in it? Yes. So if you're a founder uh, and you're a woman, uh, you can get involved. You can join our free membership, which um, has certain perks, but the the more in-depth uh, paid membership is called the 10th house. That's the house in astrology that is business and entrepreneurship, which is why we named it that there, you're going to get matched with same size and stage companies. You'll have weekly webinars of experts giving you all the nitty gritty. You get first access to our retreats or our female founders day annually and a host of other perks. It is a private community. If you're listening and you're not a founder, you can get one-to-one advice. It's called the North. It's under the female founder collective.com link. And you can either also apply to be an advisor. If you're a woman in a C-suite executive, or you have some great advice to give, we're always looking for mentors and advisors. And the best part about that is we want you to make money for your advice. We feel like too often women are just like, can I pick your brain? Can we have coffee? And you've Mm -hmm. worked so hard to get to where you're at. Like you should charge for that and that's okay. And so we're making sure you get paid. We take a small cut to just fund the platform. And those are kind of all the ways today that we have that you can participate and or mentor and or advise. So founder or not, we welcome you. Amazing. Well, that is the um, other area that we totally connected on that breakfast or that lunch that day when you were like, well, you know, my opinion is that women often try to pick your brain and not pay each other for our experience. Right. And it's like, that's okay when we're talking about like nannies and what school to go to and like things for our kids or personal life, who's your hairstyles. But like, you know, that's like free labor. Like, this is what I do for a living. This is what I get paid for. So I was telling Rebecca the story about how I've done deals for clients, including clients who were paying me like a salary. So basically my bosses and I would do a deal and I would get like a $5,000 bag. And that was my like bonus for it. And she was like, wait, what? And I was like, no, that's happened many times. I've gotten watches. I've gotten an Hermes Birkin bag for finder's fee. I've gotten, I've received gifts for this. And so by the time I got back to my office, I had a bag from Rebecca Minkoff <laughs> saying, I'm happy to be the first woman to ever give you a bag, gift you a bag. So there you go. Another place oh sitting literally on the same, you know, sidelines and saying like, pay each other, pay women. We need that money. We're already behind and we need that. And that's our livelihood. It doesn't matter if you think you need it or you don't. It's something that we really need to go and like go out and get and support each other, hire each other, et cetera. So in growing all of these businesses, you also wrote a book, mm-hmm. which is which is called Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. I signed the deal uh, pre-COVID. Then the world exploded and I had a draft due to my publisher and they said, do you want more time? And I said, who knows what's going to happen? Let me just focus and turn this in. I'm not commuting every day to the office. So let me spend that time beginning to write the book. And I think my initial 
thought for the book w- became very different because I watched my business evaporate overnight during COVID and we had mm-hmm. to rebuild. And I went back to a lot of the things that got me you know, successful in the first place. And I said, if, if I do these things again and I test them in the next couple of months to see if we can stay in business and they work, it means now I've had, you know, it worked twice. And so I really framed the book around things that, you know, I call them rules, but they're just tips and tools for success in business, in your personal life. Um, and I called it fearless because the goal isn't like you read the book and you're just like, you know, mm-hmm. throw your, your hair over your neck and say, Oh, I'm, I'm not scared anymore. It's like, you're still fucking scared if I can yeah. swear, but you're just going to do it anyways. And that's what I think holds a lot of women back is the fear of failure or not succeeding. And I have a whole chapter about sometimes you win and sometimes you learn and let's reframe failure as a learning opportunity. And that's often more valuable than any win, because when it's a win, you're just high on what happened and you're not looking at what you did and what made it great. But when you fail, you really have a lot to sit in and a lot to look at. And so how do you take that and learn from it? And I think that when we fail a lot and take that as learnings, we just are that much better as an entrepreneur, as a mother, as a founder. And so that was kind of what I framed the book around and um, launched it virtually because we were still all scared of each other in 2021, <laughs> but it's uh, continued to have a great impact and I'm still proud of it. And I think it's still relevant because um, I still apply it today. Right. What do you consider failures? I think a failure is anything that you thought would go a certain way that then exploded in your face or didn't go that way. I think, you know, a recent failure is me and my creative director arguing about the direction for a very expensive campaign where a lot of eyeballs were going to be on it and a lot of media and and fashion week momentum was going to be on it. And we couldn't agree. And we landed somewhere in the middle, neither of us being happy and it didn't turn out great. And the response to those images was not good. And I thought that that was a failure on my part and as a leader to just really give in to what my team was saying they needed, not give in, but listen and hear and understand and take my ego out of it. Mm-hmm. And I was the first to own up to it. I was like, you guys, my bad. Right. You know, We either should have gone all my way or all your way, but this meeting in the middle and trying to compromise on creativity and talent and vision and direction, like can't have his background with my photographer choice um, was a failure. And I think, I think when you do fail, you need to share that with your team Mm -hmm. because I think there's so many people that are afraid to be wrong in front of people that work with them. But to me, that vulnerability builds more respect and trust for the next time. Well, how do you know if you're not, you know, if it's because one of the things that you've done is stayed really, really true to yourself. And, you know, we hear this word authenticity all the time. And, you know, some people think it's overused. I don't ever think it's overused. I think, you know, we, you have to be authentic to yourself. How do you know you're being, you weren't being authentic to yourself versus your ego? That is a great question. I think that I was only being authentic to myself 50% of the way. Mm-hmm. But what what was pointed out to me is when this creative vision was presented, that was my chance to say, no, we're going to do it 
a hundred percent in the way that I see. And mm-hmm. I agreed with that vision. I said, okay, good, let's go there. And then when it came time to execute it, that's when I was like, Ooh, I don't know. What if we use this person? How can we compromise? And there was no compromising. And just to give context, you know, my creative director wanted this fantastical world created with a uh, very unreal backgrounds and direction. And I wanted black and white rock and roll, like very raw, different models, different aesthetics. So to be fighting him after I said, okay, let's go mm-hmm. was probably not the thing that I should have done. And I should have said, all right, we're going to take your vision to the finish line because I said, yes, or mission abort explode it all. We're going with me and I'm overriding it all. But I kind of just kept trying to placate him and kind of do what I wanted. And, and in that scenario, it didn't work. Right. No, that's a really great example of that. Um, And so where do you see, you know, Female Founders Collective growing? Where do you see that going in general? And like, what's the ultimate goal and vision? So I think for us, you know, the big goal is there's 12 million women-owned businesses in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if we've only captured 20,000, that's not enough. But I think our hope is to keep growing the North, which is this incredible one-to-one network. I think that we want to add a tier of membership to the 10th house. That's a women who are doing, you know, over a certain amount of revenue and volume and really cater to them because they have different needs. And then also at the lower end on our free, on our free membership network, how do we make it valuable for you to be listed on our directory and really funnel and drive traffic to these businesses? And so we have plans with some pretty big media companies that hopefully knock on wood, if they come through, we'll be driving a ton of traffic to get more visibility for all these businesses and shine more light on, on just all the great exceptional women out there that make amazing products. And so one other way that you're doing this is obviously if like you don't have enough things going on is you also have a podcast. I have a podcast and before someone's like, well, I'm going to roll over and die now. Cause how does she do all that? I just yeah. want to say like, it is about a team. You know, yeah. I have an amazing co-founder, Allie. She's the CEO and co-founder. She runs the day-to-day FFC on the podcast. I have an incredible producer and I'm inundated with women who want to be on it. And I come up and I show up in the interview and then, you know, Veronica edits everything and it's amazing. So I think just to be clear, you know, I have a creative director on the Rebecca Minkoff side. So I have my generals. So yeah. that allows me the freedom to do these things. So it's not just like um, I'm on I'm on cocaine and I'm able to do it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's not Friday night, okay? <laughs> um, so the podcast is really stemmed out of around that same time period, 2018, Um as I started meeting more women like you, more founders, I was like, wow, we need to tell these stories. And I, I like to get to like the the failures and what went wrong and how did you come back from it, mm-hmm. especially with women who you just think have it all figured out. And so right. how do we sort of unpack that? So that was the inspiration. And it used to be when we had a store, you know, they'd come into the store and we would do live events. I would have them come into my office and do live interviews in front of my staff. And then I said, okay, this is great, but like I'm reaching maximum 90 people before the fire department shuts me down. Let's go online. Let's do it in a podcast. So that's uh, what I did. And I've had the opportunity to interview incredible women like Katie Kirk or Laura Brown or Jessica Alba, but also women you've never heard of, you know, Mm -hmm. 
um, the McBride sisters, you know, the only black owned winery in, in California and other exceptional women who have changed the game and are incredibly successful. I just interviewed someone last week. That's like, you know, captured the market on vaginal health. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she went from zero to 20 million in a couple of years, self-funded. And you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, how amazing is it to know that there's women out there that do this? Right. That, and exposing it to them, because what I see, that's why, you know, I started this podcast as well. It's like to show women that you either want to, it's not just inspirational or work-life balance, but it's like about getting, you know, real advice, tactical, if you want, you know, exposing people, you know, their businesses to a bigger audience. And also like, what, you know, what do you want to do as a job? You know, who knows when you're like younger and out of college, like who knew that people, that people could do this, including women. So like getting all, all the stories out there is super helpful and totally amazing. Um, but like when you're doing all this stuff, right, you're working and yes, it is, it does take a lot. You hit on something earlier and that's about delegation. And, um, but you know, as women, we take on a lot and we can, you know, we can multitask, but, you know, getting to be able to delegate is one of the things that I find when I have clients and they're coming in and they're starting businesses and, you know, is they think that they have to do everything themselves. And that's only going to hurt them at the end of the day, you know? And when they say, well, I don't, you know, I'm sorry to ask. I just don't really know. I'm like, why would you know this? I've been doing this for 20 plus years. You should not learn how to negotiate overnight. It's not everybody's strong point. Yeah. Not at all. And it's not something you learn every day. It's not like I go like to my doctor and be like, can you tell me how to cure myself in five easy steps? No. So I never have to go there again. It's like, that's, it's what I've been learning and doing forever. When did you come to the point where you knew that you had to, to delegate? I mean, you've been doing this a long time. Did it come easily, naturally to you? I, it came slowly and it came probably with each additional child that I bore. So with my first, um, I knew I wanted to be a present mom. I wanted to be home for bath time and dinner time. And prior to him being born, I just worked all the time. It didn't matter weekends, nights till midnight. And so I had to make a definite shift and I said, okay, I can't micromanage the team anymore and stuff's going to slip through the cracks and people are going to fail. And I'm going to learn to like when I step in, when I don't. And so that was like a probably the biggest learning curve. And then when I had my daughter, um, it was again, another time we were like, okay, now I got two kids and I got to manage this. And you know, how does it work now when I'm traveling and I'm bringing a baby, but I'm leaving one at home. And so you're just, you know, each sort of phase I had to delegate more and more. And then other times I just said, let's just see what happens. Let's just see what happens if I don't check my email on a weekend or at night. Mm-hmm. Did anything bad happen? Did like the earth explode? No. And everyone else got to have their evenings too. So I would do that a lot um, to continue to sort of carve out these, these times when I just knew that I wanted to be with my children or with my husband. Mm-hmm. And I think that like you mentioned negotiating, I only got good at negotiating in 2018, you know, right. when Allie of all people was like I think that you should ask for this number for this partnership. And I said, oh my God, I think I'm going to vomit if I do that. She said, so what? What's the worst that can happen? She said, throw out a number that makes you want to vomit. Yeah. And I threw out the number and they said, great. So I was like, oh, okay. Well, from now on, I'm going to pick the highest number that makes me want to barf. Right. And that's how I negotiate now. <laughs> well, I mean, exactly. That's just it. You're like, and you're always going to be asking for more because you never thought, why didn't you think you deserved that in the first place though? I think that I have come 
from a world, you know, growing up where, you know, my, my parents made us work for everything we wanted, but everything like, why can't we get the cheeseburger? Well, it's 10 cents more. That's too expensive. Why can't we each have our own French fries, mom? Well, we all have to split a fry. And it's not that she didn't have the extra $2. Sometimes she was, I I hate to say it really cheap in Mm -hmm. certain areas. And so that's just been like, infused into my very being that I'm like, Ooh, I can't ask for that. Cause that's too much just because mm-hmm. of, you know, some of my upbringing, which I actually value the lesson she taught me. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. if I ever want anything and to spend how I want to spend, I got to make a lot of money and, and, and figure this out for myself. Well, that's, I mean, isn't that part of it as a woman though, too, right? We always undervalue ourselves. And so it's always about asking for way more. And, you know, I guess your t-shirt would be ask for, you know, as much as what'll make you want to vomit, I guess, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, Cindy Gallup's is, you know, you know, add 25% or, you know, we just uh, think what a straight white man would do and do that. You know, everyone has their like thing that was a learning curve, but I think this is so important because everyone would think that you have it all figured out. You know, it's like, I, I started the justice department and I do this because I don't want people to do what I did. Like, don't do what I did. Okay. Like do better, you know, hire me to do it for you or whatever, you know, or go to female founders collective to get that advice. Don't do it alone. Don't be the only woman in the room. Go to places where you're surrounded by other women and walk the talk and buy the products. And, and, you know, don't do the thing where it's like, if I say I'm a woman, you know, they're not going to let me in the room, like challenge all of those things. So all of these like lessons are so important for people to know and understand and to learn. Um, so thank you again for that. I love that um, analogy. And of course, it's Allie Wyatt telling you to like ask for something, you know, until you want to vomit. Um, okay, so you write, you have the book, you have Female Founders Collective, you have the podcast, and you're still doing Rebecca Minkoff stuff. Um, is it ever going to stop? Or are you going to keep like growing all, you know, is, do we have something else coming up in the future that we should know about? Or, you know, uh, what is coming up in the future? It's a, it's probably a year or two away, but we have had a fragrance partner and license and they want to expand into beauty. And I have, um, I explored beauty a lot pre pandemic and what that would look like for the brand. Um, and so I'm excited to bring that to life, but it is a long process. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that'll come and then it'll be fun to see that sort of what happens. Amazing. All right. So through all of this advice, through all of these learnings, through your whole experience, um, you know, I ask everybody this one question and only this one question that is consistent. And that is, and this is going to be hard for you since you've been doing this on your own for so long and with partners, but what is the worst advice you've ever received? Okay. So the, the irony is the woman that said this to me, is the inspiration behind us meeting and the inspiration behind me meeting a lot of incredible women, but she was also an awful human. So <laughs> I struggle with the fact that I'm like, you, intri- you, you gave me the push to like, go meet these women that inspired me to launch female founder collective in my podcast, but you had a black soul and I don't, and I don't know how to wrap my head around that, but I remember we had, um, hired her. I won't say for what role. And she started when I was on maternity leave. And my first day back, she's like, "Your my job would be easier if you didn't exist. Meaning if there wasn't an actual human founder, she could create whatever she needed with no person or personalness mm-hmm. uh, to get in the way. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe she's right. Maybe things would be better if I didn't exist. And maybe the brand should stand on its own and not have my opinion. And it that began like a downward spiral of self-doubt, of, of uncertainty that had like potentially going at a business, you know, I don't know what the word is, casualties for the brand. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to claw back from that and get myself back you know, to a place of confidence, but I listened to that for too long. How, how did you let that affect you though? So much having had, you know, was it just like a place of vulnerability at the time or cause you're on maternity leave? I mean, I mean, it's kind of scary to think somebody could have that effect on you so quickly. I think it came at a time where I was questioning, like, you know, we'd had that a couple of big hits uh, bag wise, and just like a singer songwriter is always going to chase that one hit that they get. I'm sure you can relate to that. Yeah. And, you know, for four, three or four years, I was like, what's the next hit? What's the next hit? How do we create it? When all the hits happen organically and you can't always force it. Mm-hmm. And I just felt at that moment, you know, well, maybe I don't know how to make that next great hit again. Um, and so I just, that was already, you know, in my own head. And then when I got back and you're not sleeping and you're like, who am I now? Mother, you know, all the changes that occur with each kid. And then someone says that to you, it's kind of, it was the perfect combination to just sort of eat away at me. And then, you know, I let that happen for too long, nine months, too long. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, and then I finally watched that person expose their true self and off they went. And then I was like, wow, I, but what I learned from it was so valuable was like, never compromise your own integrity. Mm -hmm. I would rather be so wrong in my keeping my integrity and then admit it later and then questioning and doubting and all that stuff. And so like, you really have to hold true and follow your gut, especially with people because they can, they can make or break your company. And, and if you listen to the wrong ones that, you know, you, uh, you pay a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something that I hear from all founders and women in particular is trusting your instinct, your intuition, your gut, your authenticity. And uh, that's exactly the note that um, we can end on. So thank you so much. I mean, I think everyone knows where to find Rebecca Minkoff, definitely on social media, because I think everybody in the world is following you. But <laughs> with the Female Founder Collective, if they need to find that, how do they find it? Uh, they can go to at the female founder collective on Instagram or femalefoundercollective.com. Um, you can buy my book wherever books are sold. You can listen to my podcast, super women with Rebecca Minkoff, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to see more of my personal life and, or sides of things I don't show on the brand side, I have an Instagram called at Becky Minkoff. At Becky so- Minkoff <laughs> and the North. Is that a separate thing from Female Founders Collective? It's actually a link you can click to from the the mothership. So you can also go to the north.co or findyournorth.co and then you can right. see a list of advisors and you book them and have fun with them. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for all this insight. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Taking Care of Lady Business. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Justice. 49 faces look to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon bestselling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast. 
at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com.